This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. How are you? Very well, thanks. Start of the week. And dare I say it, it's a fairly quiet start, really, isn't it, as far as markets are concerned? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure if we all kind of need it at this point. It feels like every week has been as busy as the last this year, so maybe a, a calmer start to the week is what we all need. Uh, but I think it's interesting that I think it feels like the jobs report on Friday is kind of playing into this. Like it's create that, that feeling of heightened anxiety in the markets, and perhaps that's creating this caution in the markets. Can you say the fact that we've got the uh, inflation data on Wednesday, which follows the jobs report so closely, and I think had the jobs report been relatively positive on the economy slightly uh, lower than expected wage growth or even on target wage growth and unemployment staying at three and a half percent then i can imagine it would have kind of moved into this week of the narrative being well we've got a strong economy inflation isn't accelerating anymore in fact maybe even signs it's subsiding with supply chains improving and commodity prices price at the pump starting to decline the narrative could have given the markets a relatively positive start to the week. And they're not too bad, but they're not like roaring away. They're up around half a percent, maybe reversing some of Friday's losses. But instead, the narrative's entirely different now. And now there's such an, a heightened focus on that inflation report on Wednesday that we may be looking at a day or two where activity is just a little bit calmer and quieter. And obviously, the fact that we're now in the middle of going into the middle of August can potentially be contributing to that with people going on holiday and the nice weather, etc. But I certainly think the jobs reports will be taking some of the sting out of the markets at the start of this week. It's a week which is a bit short on data, Craig, but we have had some Chinese trade data and interesting to see how it's been driven by the reopening of uh, various industries following their COVID problems. Yeah, it's interesting that what we're seeing from the trade data, I mean, the export data was actually stronger than expected. I think there was kind of a uh, a bit of momentum uh, from the reopening, but it is starting to fade and it is going to fade further. But I think the most important takeaway from this is actually the import numbers, which was only 2.3%. You compare that to the 18% in the exports, you can kind of see where the problems lie. You can see that the domestic economy is still relatively weak and vulnerable and that there's going to be a lot of effort needed from the leadership in order to try and generate some decent growth. I think 5.5% growth target this year is out of the question now. But the export numbers are being held up by that reopening backlog uh, and the import numbers are just pretty weak. It was an interesting one because the actual trade surplus was a record surplus, but it's it's really just driven by that divergence in in, in where the benefits lie when the economy re- is, is reopening and the confidence that exists within it. Again, it, it's not a really positive takeaway in terms of the China reopening and what its impact it's having on the economy, but it's not overly negative at this point either. It just kind of feeds into this open that we've had today, which is certain sectors are doing well, certain sectors are struggling, but overall there is uh, a lot of uncertainty really in terms of the outlook. And, uh, and with China, you've got the added uncertainty, of course, of if you're implementing a 
zero COVID policy, then lockdowns could restart again at any point. And we've seen that, uh, of course, in some cities on one Chinese resort uh, island, which have already now started going into lockdown once again because we have seen cases starting to mount. You can imagine that that's going to be the, be the case going into the rest of the year, which is going to continue to weigh on confidence because obviously if many of these cities in China uh, don't know uh, if they're going to be looking at lockdowns a month, a, a week, uh, six months away from now, then it's obviously incredibly difficult to plan. And if you're a resident within them, then it's going to have an impact on, on the way you behave and on your spending habits, etc. So it's going to be a continual headwind ultimately uh, for the Chinese economy going forward. Meanwhile, Craig, the uh, Iran nuclear talks have resumed in Vienna and uh, there's some optimism in the air. According to the EU's top negotiator, they said the text of an agreement could be close in the coming hours. I mean, so far this hasn't happened. Is the market thinking there's optimism as far as these talks are concerned and a deal can be reached sooner rather than later? I wouldn't say there's too much optimism in the market because there's been many occasions this year going right back to the start of the year when the noises coming from these negotiations was we are days away from an agreement uh, and then the talks ultimately broke down. So I wouldn't say there's optimism, but I'd say there is hope that we could see it because ultimately it's what the world needs right now. The world in many ways needs additional oil on the market uh, and that's something that Iran could provide. I'm not sure what the latest estimates were, but I remember earlier this year it was around a million barrels a day they think could quite quickly be uh, brought back to the markets. They've obviously got massive oil and gas reserves as well. So that's obviously something that could benefit the global markets at such a troubled time. So I think there is hope that uh, an agreement can be done, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that there's optimism because we've seen these talks break down so many times now that I think you kind of go into this with the default feeling that something is going to happen that's going to delay any agreement being reached. It seems that both sides are still continuing to hold a, a very firm line on particular issues and it, it just seems that that at times is insurmountable. But we can always, like I say, as long as these talks are still going on, there's always a possibility and I think that's the most important thing right now. And looking at the oil price, it's um, on the slide again today. Brent crude now down to $93. Went up a little bit on Friday, but I suppose they are waiting for further news uh, from Vienna. The outlook as far as oil is concerned is what? So it's hard to make too much of a bearish case for oil at this point because the main driver of oil moving downwards is the fact that more and more recessions are being priced in. I think that's really the big downside risk as far as oil prices are concerned. But it is still an extremely tight market. Obviously, a nuclear deal here could potentially uh, have a more uh, have some uh, downside impact on on the price of oil as well. But it's hard to imagine, like I say, it falling too far from here when the market is uh, as tight as it ultimately is. But I mean, anyone who's going the pump right now is seeing some of the benefit of the recent slide. And you imagine over the weeks uh, ahead, we may hopefully see a little bit more of that. Obviously, we're not talking about oil is finally cheap again. It's far from that. But um, obviously, if, if, you, if anyone's going to pump, you'll see a difference, quite a significant difference from uh, today, from a couple of weeks ago. And we can only hope that even if oil prices aren't going to fall substantially from here, what we need to avoid ultimately from an economic perspective is oil prices back, rebounding back towards $100, $120 a barrel because at a time when energy costs are so high and the cost of living is so high as we're experiencing quite considerably here in the UK and going into the end of the year is only going to get worse. That's only going to compound the cost of living crisis and, all, and therefore have hugely detrimental impacts on the economy. Craig, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.